You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am your humble host and the keeper of the Tom Brady Worry Index, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have resident old man and esteemed botanist, Clark Barnes, and ginger clean-shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Botiford. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, Pete. You're good, man. How are you? (laughs) I am good. Uh, Clark, not only are you a botanist, though, you let us know, you're also becoming a duck owner. So I guess you decided that you had to one-up us all. Now that we each have one pet, you had to be like, well, got to get more pets to be the the superior pet owner on the pod. Yeah, I'm excited. We went to the old tractor supply just to look around, and they had chickens and ducks. And I don't know if you've ever seen little chickens or ducks, but they are freaking cute. So we're getting ducks get did you decide that because ducks you found goslings is that what young ducks are called i'm not sure i think goslings are uh although there's a geese i think those are geese right Uh, duckling is it duckling i think it's duckling (laughs) yeah uh so i figure if we're gonna put in all of the effort uh ducks are cuter because they Mm -hmm. look like they shouldn't be walking or flying they (laughs) waddle their little butts which is nice and duck eggs are much better than chicken eggs so so to eat you're gonna eat this animals oh yeah i've never had duck eggs before it's good it's mainly it's a lot of yolk and less white and they uh, uh, fetch a premium as well yeah that is super fascinating i was wondering if you were gonna uh share what yeah whether or not you would be uh harvesting anything from them or if they were just your friends oh yeah. yeah no they i mean like so I'm a city person, so I'm sure they're going to be incredibly pampered, but I am also going to enjoy the, the harvest. Yeah. How often do they lay? Uh, I think it's uh, about once a day once they get of age. So the Ooh, average for these guys shit. is like 280 a year. So here we go. The duck podcast, when they molt or shed their leaves, that takes a lot of energy. And so they don't uh, lay eggs. And then I believe sometimes during the winter, they don't do it either. They lay an egg a day, basically? Yeah. That's insane. Well, there's their leaves? Uh, (laughs) I might have. I meant feathers. Uh, I was like, I'm learning so much duck terminology right now. (laughs) Um, A young duck is a gosling, and ducks have leaves. The RB1, we're figuring it out podcast. Yeah, the RB1 Um, duck podcast. So we built a little brooder out of a giant uh, Rubbermaid thing for when they're young, and then we're going to build a shed this week for their roost damn Clark, that's so cool was this all it, was this all spur of the moment because you just saw have, adorable ducklings or you were like you know what we should get something that provides our month our morning eggs we've been kicking it around for uh, a while but seeing Love them it. kind of 
sealed the deal. Yeah. Yeah. So did you buy them on the spot? No, I am a little okay. bit too cautious for that. Right on. <laughs> yeah. um, we, uh, uh, I spent the day actually gardening in Kristen's garden. So nice. I've also got the green thumb thing. So just, you know, for the intros. Pete, oh, no, want. no, no, don't. Cool. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. No, I'll make sure to, no I'll make sure to include that in there. Yeah. But Copycat Nick Botterford. Is that what you want? Well, <laughs> no, I, I have, no. you know, I, I'm a former landscaper, but uh, <laughs> I have to show, I have to show Kristen your, your photos that you sent of the garden or of your little operation you have in there. Kristen's yeah. got some wonderful seeds growing right now herself on her windowsill, but they're in egg cartons. Mm-hmm. They don't have hey, the, the light set up and stuff. That's so all I, right. I, we're, I'm, well, I'm going to try to get her to get on your level. The, hey, dude, there's no like right way to do it. That she's doing it counts. So that's awesome. Right on. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had an herb garden growing out on our steps until it snowed and then they all died. Except for the mint. The mint oh, somehow mint is... like fought its way through the snow, even though there was like a foot of snow sitting on it. It's like, ha, fuck you, snow. Guess what I'm still doing? <laughs> growing. All right, let's get to it. All right. Um, well, we got some NFL news to talk about. Uh, Austin Eckler, first big signing of two, 2020 NFL free agency. Austin Eckler staying in Los Angeles. Uh, signed a four-year, two hundred. Oh, excuse me, twenty-four point five. Two hundred million dollars. Twenty-four point five million dollars. Personally, I'm very happy with this. First of all, undrafted running back get your paychecks when you get your paychecks well done uh but also he emerged as a fantasy god last year when he took over for the charge it took over in melvin gordon's place and now that he is staying there i have to think that that means that the full running back reigns will be his he will be in charge of that backfield for that money and uh he finished an rb4 in ppr uh last year and i have to think that he's going to be a top 15 back this year yeah, I'm I'm a little scarred from making assumptions about the little guy getting the workload after we saw, oh, man, Bill O'Brien went out and gave a second-round pick for uh, Duke Johnson. He's finally going to get his chance. And then sinister old Carlos Hyde comes to town. Carlos Hyde. Uh, but I do like Eckler. The Chargers uh, don't pay no one, but when they pay someone, they do generally seem to feature them. Uh, they're happy to let guys walk. So signing Eckler, I think, is a really good sign for his fantasy value. Uh the Chargers, though, boy, it might be a rough year yeah. in Los Angeles. So I, at first, when I saw this, I was so pumped. I was like, right on, you guys made the decision. You did not pay a running back in Melvin Gordon. And it, it took me like a day. To be like, wait, no, fuck, they paid a running back. <laughs> God damn, it was just, I was so caught up in them on the idea of them not giving money to Melvin Gordon. I was like, all right, this is awesome. And then, yeah, they, they get $6 million a year, which isn't crazy, but that's a lot. Yeah, except for the fact, I mean, Austin Eckler, like, you have to, he certainly earned that contract. I mean, he, he became, if, if not the one of the best receiving backs in the NFL last year. Normally, people think of Alvin Kamara, but. Eckler certainly did a lot more than Alvin Kamara last year uh, from a stat perspective and just from an – like he was the number one weapon more or less on that offense. And what is it? I mean, his, his third or fourth year, the the undrafted free agent guys get to big boy contracts a lot earlier. faster. Uh, yeah. So I guess one saving grace, Nick, would be he's not going into his fifth or sixth year with this deal. It's still relatively 
early in his career. So, but but six mil is not chop change for a no. running back. You are right. That's that's a fair point. But I mean, that's the eighth highest paid running back in the NFL. Like that's that's serious money to invest in a position that doesn't bring a lot of expected points added. Um, but I, he, I, he brings know, a lot of fantasy value, him. Nick. You need to keep fantasy val- valuable players around on your team. Now you're making sense. <laughs> Who's Tyrod gonna get the ball to? <laughs> yeah, who else is Tyrod gonna throw the football to? Yeah, oh. honestly, if he's got any of his like athletic ability left in the tank, it could be a pretty fun offensive watch. <laughs> just because he's not accurate. He, you know, he's just he's like a, a, a less at this point athletic Josh Allen. And I, you know, it could be fun just talking oh, yeah. bombs to to Eckler. Well, he's better quarterback than Josh Allen, but it's not, but not by a ton. Certainly, I don't think he is at this point, and I don't know if he ever was as good as Josh Allen has has shown he can be. I mean, it's all whatever uh, theoretical, I guess, the situation. Uh, whatever the theoretical situation is that we're we're going to try to figure out here, I I would take Josh Allen right now over Tyrod Taylor. Sure. Yeah. But I would take Tyrod Taylor okay. five years ago over Josh Allen five years ago. I don't know if I would. That's interesting. <laughs> anyway, Josh Allen wasn't in the league five years ago. I, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, it doesn't matter for the Chargers anyways, because Tom Brady is starting a new film production company in Hollywood, which basically means he's going to LA. So the Tom Brady worry index is at code, uh, code red right now. Tom, Brady, Tom Brady's going to play for the Raiders, as we've stated, as I've stated on the podcast months ago. Months. So. Jared Goff is getting ousted. Everyone thinks it's Jimmy G who's going to get ousted in California, but it's actually Jared Goff. So, hey, real quick, I just I, we're going to move on from this, but I, I'm looking at the the top ten paid running backs list right now. If we bring the Eckler contract into the fold, as far as average value per year goes. You know who number 11 is? Duke Johnson. What the hell? Why? God, Bill O'Brien, if you're going to pay someone. So this is with the logic we were just talking about. Like, if you're going to pay somebody, hopefully you use him. But Don't you dare speak ill of GM Bill (sighs) O'Brien. The man is a god. He can do no wrong. I'm going to hate draft season so much (laughs) for the next three years because of freaking Bill O'Brien. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so sorry. Um, this would have been a really nice segue, but Nick, uh, Nick steered us astray. We were talking about the Rams, and then Nick started talking about the Texans, and now, now it's a terrible transition. But the Rams unveiled their new logo, uh, which looks like a Chargers logo slash the letters LA with a Trump comb over. It blows my mind that teams with all the resources and money they have that this kind of shit happens where they just can't make good jerseys or they just can't make a good logo logo. It's like, come on, what are we doing here? There are, there are people on Twitter who mock up jerseys that look incredible. Like just hire them and have them go crazy. Why do we, why are we having uh, you know, analog clocks or whatever, uh, digital clock numbers? Why are we having this like lightning bolt hairdo on the LA as it's supposed to be a Ram horn? It just is not good. So let's fix that LA. Yeah, I just looked at it. Uh, doesn't look great, Pete. That's not good. It's it's not like what what was the thought process there? I would love to hear the thought process behind this is the logo that we're going to move forward with. Wait, is this the Rams or the Chargers? 
murdered. Exactly. That's never a good thing when you're in one, when you've both moved to a new city, when you're both moving to LA, trying to win LA over, the worst possible thing you can do is make your new logo look like a logo for the team that you're competing for in the city. It's like if the Clippers redesigned their logos to be the Lakers logo just said Clippers on it. It's not a good look. So it looks a, like they're walking it back, though. Are are they? Because they realized that it was terrible. Is this a Sonic the Hedgehog thing? I think so. Yeah. So I'm but, wondering uh, if they let fans decide because I think the last time that sticks out in my memory that fans got to decide something, we ended up with the Houston Texans <laughs> as a name. Maybe this is like the most popular design that a bunch of idiots decided would be good. I um, you know it's funny. I can't unsee the the Trump. Right. Over as soon as you as soon as you see it, it's there forever. That's all you're going to see now. How fitting that it's a California team. I bet that's making Californians very happy. Very happy. <laughs> at some point, at some point in the in our future, when we become a multi-dimensional platform podcast TV show, you know, book writing company where people just pay us a lot of money to hear our opinions, we'll do a deep dive anthology in the creation of the Houston Texans and settling on the name Texans to name a football team. I feel like there's gotta be a a lot there to discuss that. (laughs) I feel like there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Sorry, LA. Hopefully they will realize their mistake and back off of it. I always like to tell people, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, But once you recognize that you have failed, you should try something else. Don't Mm -hmm. continue to fail over and over. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you're listening right now, don't fail on these new jerseys that you're unveiling. In Dude, they just need to go back to the '80s. Just the, go to the creamsicles. Creamsicles. So That's I all you need it. to do. All you need to do, Tampa. Uh, finally, in the NFL news: Amari Cooper wants to be a Cowboy for life, or at least uh, the rest of his life, since he started the NFL with the Raiders, which he's forgotten about. But so I don't want to do contract negotiations through the media talk. You guys go ahead. But we are the media, Clark. We have I know, to. I, that's, but there's three of us, so you guys <laughs> take this one. I mean, I, there's nothing to say. Is, is Amari Cooper actually going to be, remain a Dallas Cowboy? I doubt it. So, sorry, Amari. I, if, Dreams don't come true. If they let him go, that is uh, criminal mismanagement of their resources. The but would you expect anything me. less from Jerry? Yeah, he, they, they made me believe with Kellen Moore, man. Jerry... Jerry made the mistake of not just paying Dak at the beginning of the season. So now they're going to franchise God. Dak. And then you're going to, ha- what are you going to do? You're going to give Amari Cooper the biggest wide receiver contract in NFL history. And then basically you're in exact the same kind of cap hell where all of your money is allocated to the offense. You're losing Byron Jones that way. And you're going to, you know, what are we doing here, people? What are we doing here, Becca? What are we doing here? Becca is unpacking all of these packages she got in the mail right next to me. <laughs> just rudely we're stopping all over this podcast on the rb1 podcast we're professionals we, we are, are professionals cats. we will we'll fight through this pain yeah. oh my goodness some people i don't know i, I feel like amari's gonna stay and they are gonna tag Dak. Uh, i think a lot of the cap stuff in the nfl is smoke and mirrors and magic the cowboys are one of the few teams that do spend uh, the cap space. They're not like these other sneaky little teams like the Colts that never spend any money on anyone and still make millions of dollars and crap out a bad product when their magical quarterback retires uh, unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I think they're all going to end up there. And in a couple of years, people are going to be kind of disappointed within 
aging Zeke and, and all of this money tied up in Amari and uh, Dak trying to get it done behind a faltering offensive line. But that's a podcast for four years from now. So perfect. Well, we'll pencil it in for then, yeah. for the middle of uh, what month are we in? Middle of March. Well, in four years from now. March. Tony Romo is still going to be living living high though. <laughs> Twenty 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 four. Laughing we, at everyone. We will talk about uh, old aging Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys missteps. Um, the Jets are making an effort to re-sign Robbie Anderson, Clark. So that is soul-crushingly disappointing. <laughs> I really would like to see Robbie Anderson play for a coach who doesn't murder people's uh, NFL careers. For Amen. Cheers who, to that. Who's that? Which team? The Jets. Robbie Anderson. Adam Gase. They're they're they're, they're, they're trying to sign him. Yeah, they're trying to retain the the uh, production of Robbie Anderson. Dude, he's a baller. His yards per route runner are up there. He he is so good. Yep. And he would be really good on a team not in New York, run by Adam Gase. I I so people don't do this quite as much, but man, wouldn't you love to see Robbie Anderson opposite of Devontae Adams or so, just something like, ugh, pl- playing a yeah. Will Fuller role? Yeah, ugh. in Green Bay. That's where the the ETR established their run guys. That's that's their where they want to go see and play. I think it's a perfect. Well, it's perfect. Be yeah. what we thought MBS was going to be. Clark's going to upgrade from the RB1 podcast to the Establish the Run podcast with uh, with takes like this. It was just such a good take that he just kicked yeah, Nick right off the bed. That's <laughs> disappointing. I, I really like Robbie Anderson. He, uh, a lot of these speed guys are, uh, you know, they're, they're just speed guys and you see them have shaky hands. Uh, but a couple of fellows that have come into the league, uh, Will Fuller, I mentioned, who just can't stay healthy, but Robbie Anderson – they're speed guys who can also make some yeah. incredible catches and they're taller than you think they are too. So these are uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy that we've been waiting on to break out and he has just really legitimately run into real problems that I don't think many players could overcome. So it's not that we've been waiting on it and he's been disappointing. It's been waiting on it and he, for very good reasons, hasn't. So God, I hope he can get away from the jets. Yeah. Uh, or Adam quickly, Gase. Maybe if they fire Adam Gase, that'd be fine. That's fine, but, Tim. Uh, yeah, everybody going to wins. Plant, plant my flag in the Henry Ruggs is this what kind of wide receiver hill. The speedster that Clark just talked about who has sure hands and is bigger than you think, Henry Ruggs is also that guy. Henry Ruggs yeah, is I did not, not... A, a burner who's going to be a bust. He is going to be a wide receiver one in this league and could be the first wide receiver off the board, so don't be surprised. I did not realize that Robbie Anderson is six three. Oh, damn! That's a big boy. See, yeah. he's he's not like this. Isn't disparaging to John Brown, but he's not just John Brown, right? Like it's it's yeah. he's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big guy. Well, he's one eighty, but yeah. Hey, I'm six three one. A svelte one eighty nine. It feels better if you say svelte one eighty. Yeah. <laughs> See, how tall are you? You're how tall? Am I? I'm six three. No, you're not. Yeah. You're six three. Yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah, no. Nope. He's like Boston six three, so he's like five. Says it on my license, motherfucker. Yep, yep. No, he is not six three. I don't believe you at all. I don't know. So he's marrying a lawyer, and he does sports for a living. So he's got to have something. <laughs> six on, three, and a donor. Good for you, Pete. Thank Wait, you. My organs are pristine. Pete. Six three. Get what on my level. World? Yeah, big boy. No, it makes sense. You're spelt. I had you pegged for like 5'10". 
You're a strong man. Okay. You're a big strong man. <laughs> Stop you guys. Uh, before before I blush my shirt right off with flattery, let's take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. And uh, since, there's, since we've covered the NFL news... We're going to turn our attention to fantasy football podcast. So sometimes we should talk fantasy football, turn our attention to the 2020 fantasy season and talk about some potential bounce back candidates. Some guys who maybe didn't have the greatest 2019 season, uh, either failed to live up to expectations or just kind of haven't really been able to put it together since entering the league or for a couple of years. And we're thinking that they're going to be, returning to uh or entering fantasy prime uh in 2020 uh nick let's start with you who is one of your bounce backs for the 2020 season that you are hot on so i i uh i picked some teammates do you mind if i knock mine out knock them both out then cool so uh i i was thinking for a while about this question i went back and and as i do was re-listening to some of the uh the fallout episodes of and establish the run stuff and it's one stat stuck out and their their feed is free for the off season so everybody should go subscribe and then everyone should also subscribe to the uh, fake teams podcast do that uh, too and so you can listen to fantasy football basketball and occasionally baseball just but one thing that really stood out to me was they they were one of the top teams in the league the browns were one of the top teams in the league scoring on their opening drive and what that tells you was that todd we're all talking about the browns Probably Todd Monken was killing it in the game planning. And then Freddie fucking kitchens would take over and just tank everything. Now we got him out of there. D Podesta has been given, uh, I can't remember his first name is Paul or John, but anyway, Paul D. D. Podesta. Podesta. thank you. Well, I'm thinking of Hillary Clinton's chairman, but anyway, uh, Paul D. Podesta, he, he president, he's been given, uh, he's given the reins to the organization. He brought in Andrew Barry analytically, minded man from the Eagles. They hired Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Stefanski, you know, he, he, uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. What you had there was a really well-run offense. And there's their offense. And there's a couple things that I want to point out. The two people that I'm talking about here are Baker Mayfield and Oda Beckham Jr. Oh my um, goodness. Shocker. I so, had Baker also on my It's going to be a short podcast, right, cool. boys. <laughs> yeah, right on. Rock and roll. So, so here's, here's what I'm stoked about. I'll, I'll wrap mine up. It, it, it's just a few points that I want to make. Um, what we saw with the Vikings offense was, even though, you know, you had Zimmer trying to mess it up at every turn, um, they featured the tight end somewhat, but they, they heavily featured 
the slot receiver. We love to see teams that are willing to feature their slot receiver. And they also got things done on the outside uh, in, in the downfield game. Now, when you look at and, and, and they also pass two running backs on early downs, that, that being Dalvin Cook. So when we're looking at this whole Browns team, we've got theoretically um, Stefanski, who is already calling very intelligent and uh, he's making intelligent uh, play calling decisions, game plan decisions. Um, we've got Andrew Barry piping hot facts in his ear about which plays are actually analytically good and which are bad. So when we, when we put, pardon me, hot, hot so when we put all these things together, right? Like Jarvis Landry already, he's coming off a stellar year, but we got him rocking the spot. Now we're going to have Odell Beckham Jr. rocking the downfield, Stefan Diggs uh, type deal. Unfortunately, Chubb's probably going to take a hit because I think they'll pass their Kareem Hunt a lot on first down. But with this all really comes together to show us is that Baker Mayfield is going to have such an easier time. And I understand to, to the, you know, football people who are grumbling right now and listening. Yeah. Baker Mayfield did on his own take some steps back, but as we say all the time, when you put your players in position to fail, what else do you expect them to do? I expect them to be scheming up really nice passing lanes for him, give him tons of options. And uh, I, I am very much planning on it as, as we, said on the the last podcast episode if you could pair someone like baker mayfield with like justin herbert depending on where he goes as a one-two option at quarterback you got someone who's got a scrambling floor with with baker's passing ceiling you're going to be sitting pretty and and odo beckham jr i mean so much of what we see with veteran receivers who switch teams it takes them a second to get acclimated and and, you know i i totally fell for this last year uh having him as a a, you know a a top three wide receiver option um sometimes it or more often than not, it just takes time for for a, a wide receiver to integrate with the team. Um, yeah, I've got really high hopes for Odell Beckham Jr. I'd, I'd feel really comfortable next year rolling into the season with him as well, my wide receiver one. And uh, I think I think Baker Mayfield's gonna have a really good year too. Yeah, I've got Mayfield as one of my guys as well. And uh, just from an expectations and perspective standpoint, uh, the Baker Mayfield had a really good rookie season and then the Browns made a couple of hot signings and a lot of folks uh, made the mistake of thinking uh, a lot of folks myself included made the mistake of thinking like oh okay all of this hotness is going on Uh, just like we did with the uh, Eagles and uh, Titans way back in the day Uh, they brought in all these free agents it's going to be great Uh, the Browns uh, pulled the Browns and turned back into the pumpkins that we I've always known them to be and I think the media to make themselves look better decided to really pile on making the season look a little bit worse than it was I think most of the players going into their second years together like you mentioned with Odell switching teams uh, I think that's going to be really good for the Browns it's an incredibly talented roster that is in desperate need of offensive line help Uh, but with the Vikings angle is this Vikings fella a uh Kubiak Shanahan disciple that likes to run Play inside zone, outside zone. He came from a number of backgrounds. So he, I mean, I'm sure he learned while he was there, but he's not okay. necessarily of that tree. He, we, we, he just showed that like, Hey, I like passing with this slot receiver and we'll throw a running back early. Okay. Uh, I just need to know. It's obviously good. I just need to know if I need to like wildly overcommit and change my pants because if there's another Kubiak Shanahan style guy running an offense, I just, I know exactly who I'll be drafting in the first few rounds uh, come August. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clark, you touched on it too. You touched, touched on their offensive line issues. 
because that was a big thing for the for the Browns this year. And I mean, the Washington seems now finally ready to trade Trent Williams. If that the Browns have expressed interest in that, if that's something they're going to do. Also, this offensive line class is looks really deep or at the very least the top kind of four or five guys seemingly are plug and play guys who are hyper athletic and can really protect on the outside. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns really solidify their offensive line this year, which will also just help this offense run so much smoother. I had also had Baker as one of my guys because just we saw what he can do. And I think everything Nick said is right where this offense is going to be much better much more catered to what Baker can do. It's getting the ball out of his hand quickly, giving him easy reads and letting guys like Jarvis and Odell operate in space and make people miss. Uh, And we've seen how effective that Vikings offense was with Kirk cousins and Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And I think that if you're taking that offensive game plan and translating it to the Browns, I would argue that the Browns have better players at every position and you're taking this game plan that we've seen wildly effective in Minnesota. And if you're transferring it to Cleveland, I would expect even better things to come out of it. Yeah. And last thing I want to say is uh, right now in MFL tens uh, Mayfield's going as the QB 14 and it's hard to get him much higher than that because the quarterback class is just really deep. There's just a lot of really good options, but I think Mayfield has returned to a really high potential uh, upside play instead of last year when you're really really gambling on taking him early as the hype got out of hand uh, there will be a lot of people who were burned by him uh, like my second player and I think it's going to get you a nice discount on him this year Clark who's your second player my second player is the oft talked about last year on this podcast Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh football playing Steelers uh, it was kind of a perfect storm of misfortune in pittsburgh last year uh a man named this is Duck also Hodges. the sign well i wouldn't want to interrupt you quickly clark but this, this is a sign of a true Cowboys. professional <laughs> a sign of a true prof- professional from clark barnes clark spent all of last year's off season saying that juju was going too high juju wasn't going to live up to his draft to his draft strat you know his draft spot like don't take juju this high he's not going to be this high clark starts off 2020 by saying hey Juju's going to bounce back. I have faith in Juju. And what Clark doesn't do is start by saying, I was right about Juju. He says, Juju had a lot of miss. Like there was a lot going on. The Steelers offense was, you know, changing. Didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. Didn't have Antonio Brown. Hey, this guy's going to bounce back. That's the sign of a true goddamn professional. Thank you, Pete. Uh, (laughs) This will be the... uh, but my arguments last year is, you know, making the transition from playing opposite a guy like Antonio Brown is tough. Uh, and it's just really hard for receivers, even like Keenan Allen to make that uh, transition. Uh, Roethlisberger got hurt. Uh, Juju got hurt. That's why I'm not taking a victory lap on the Juju Smith Schuster call. Cause if he had played 16 games with Roethlisberger, he wouldn't have finished where he did. So, but now he is in his second year. He's got that experience of being the man, even if it was with mediocre quarterback play. And the amazing things that we've seen from Juju Smith-Schuster uh, give me plenty of faith that he is going to figure out how to be the number one. And I think that we're going to see that this year uh, in NFL 10s. He's going at the end of the third round, which is still pretty pricey. But I would take him happily uh, either at the end of the second or 
anywhere in the third and be really happy with it because he is just an incredibly talented young guy. I mean, he came into the league, I think, at 19, right? So he is still super young, even though he's been around. Uh, so a lot of folks are going to feel burned from getting too excited about Juju last year, and we should not do that. We should take advantage of that, and I think Juju is going to have a big bounce back year. Yeah, I really like what you brought up there with the age uh, aspect. Um, when when young men are able to succeed both in college and in the pros uh, consistently, it, it's a mark of real talent and not just, you know, that a, a 22-year-old senior was bodying up 19-year-olds. Uh, the kid's really good. He can play, and uh, I, I like this call a lot. I was so high on him last year. Um, I just thought he was going to get like 200 targets. Um, but yeah, he, uh, assuming Ben Roethlisberger can, can remain healthy. I think that this is a really good pick as a, a third round option to be a, uh, like a back end wide receiver one. Yeah, no, I, I like him a lot this year. Cause, and I, I had him in my top 10 for dynasty rankings. I think one of the things that I really like about him and why I think it's a lot easier for him to move on from a down year last year. I won't even say a bad year. He played 12 games. He still finished, I think with like over 500 yards and had three touchdowns, which given the shit show that was the Steelers quarterbacks, like that was good, really good considering what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I love the fact that he is, he is a Jarvis Landry type guy where you get the ball in his hands. He makes, he's, he's great after the catch. Uh, as well as can play inside, outside, can play all over the field. So he's not necessarily, you know, a big play receiver who you were relying on those big plays in order. Like, that's where his production came from. And then if that takes a drop off at all, you're screwed. He has the ability to either be the big play guy or can also be like what Nick was alluding to. Like, I mean, he could get easy 150 targets and be a PPR monster. Uh, in 2020, which I would expect for him to be, even if Ben Roethlisberger isn't healthy, I think the Steelers are going to go into this year with a much better plan and idea of what's their quarterback position behind Ben Roethlisberger, because I honestly don't know uh, how much Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) has left, considering he looks like Tom Hanks after, you know, lost on an island for however long he is in Castaway. Yeah, I I just... Since you mentioned it, Jarvis Landry, I just really hope everyone continues hating on Jarvis Landry for the yeah. next six let's, years so I can just that. continue drafting him as my wide receiver too and just feeling real smug about I it. I feel like everyone everyone has this bad taste in their mouth from when he was in Miami and everyone's like, Jarvis Landry's supposed to be a wide receiver one and all he does is catch little screen passes. And all he, he does is, is catch 100 balls a year. Right, Ooh. and he averages eight yards catch. He's not a wide receiver. And it's like, I don't care. He he gets 100-plus catches. He gets 800-plus yards, and he gets, like, seven-plus touchdowns. Those are great stats. Who cares how you get them? If we ever do boutique-style podcasts, I think me and Pete doing the uh, Jimmy Everyman voice Mm. back and forth would be a really good 30 minutes. (laughs) We'll do that when when we do our Texans anthology. I feel like there's a lot of everyday people who, uh, who voted for Texans as the team name. Uh, my guy, my bounce back, I guess one of my bounce backs, I should say the only one left to talk about since we all picked Baker (laughs) shows we have a lot of faith in Baker. You guys draft Baker, uh, another wide receiver, Brandon cooks. I, he had disappointing 2019 season 
due to injury, he missed two games, but mostly I think it was a byproduct of just the Rams offense becoming drastically worse. Their offensive line didn't hold up. Jared Goff wasn't the same. Todd Gurley wasn't the same. Call this uh, too much confidence, too much faith, too much trust in Sean McVay, but I, I, I believe in him to reconstruct this offense and to be better prepared for 2020 with defenses figuring them out. And I think that that comes with an added emphasis on Cooks. He had less than 100 targets for the first time since his rookie year and the lowest yards per reception in the last four years. What you can't forget about after a, a bad year like this that will leave a sour taste in many fantasy owners' mouths who add him, Cook is 26 years old, and he's coming off of three outside of this last year. The years prior, he had three back-to-back years of 1,000-plus receiving yards and five-plus touchdowns. I think Robert Woods' role is going to take a step back in that offense, given his age slash there's also mild rumors that maybe they'll trade him or are looking to trade him. Uh I think that Brandon Cooks is going to have a bigger role in the Rams offense in 2020. And I think we will start to see the thousand plus receiver that we have seen consistently in his career show up uh, this year. So I am, I'm buying all my Cooks stock right now. Yeah. I was looking through where everybody finished last year and uh, Cooks came to mind first and I wrote his name down. uh, And then I saw OBJ and decided to go with the Browns front. Uh, I, I believe Cooks is a really talented receiver. We talked about some receivers who uh, are not just speed demons. Uh, he's not just a speed demon, but that is about all he does. Yeah. I think the, the what you have to do here is have faith in uh, McVay to figure out, you know, hey, what he had done uh, his whole coaching career that had gotten him to a Super Bowl and that was incredibly and wildly successful wasn't quite as successful and I don't expect someone to be able to turn that cruise ship on a dime but I do think that he's smart enough to figure it out this offseason and come up with some wrinkles and I think a guy like Brandon Cooks can still be a huge part of that I don't have much faith in Jared Goff but he's okay you know he, he is okay and so for fantasy value if your quarterback is okay and your head coach is a really smart offensive mind well, then that that spells good for your fantasy future. So I like Cooks as a bounce back candidate. Plus, too. when Tom Brady signs with the Rams, <laughs> replacing Jared Goff, we already know what Brandon Cooks and Todd uh, Tom Brady can do together. 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. I, I, I think I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence on this guy, boys. Um, I'm just looking at the current ADPs, and he's going around guys. Uh, not that I'm going to draft Darius Geis, but like Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, AJ Green, Will Fuller, uh, Hollywood Brown, Terry McLaurin. I'm, I don't know what to make of Sean McVay right now. Um, what Adam Levitan always talks about, he, he, he calls him like a secret donkey. And I think that there's something, there might be something to that. Like we, we saw, he, he, what was it like McVeigh when when he was asked if uh, or why why he's now playing Todd Gurley a bunch as the season went on, you know he was he was uh, using him sparingly to begin the season, and then you know eight weeks in or whatever he started using him a ton no matter what the game script was. And he he said something like I stopped being an idiot, and I just I, I think I I'm I'm sort of forming the opinion that McVeigh might understand that some concepts uh, he initially brought to Los Angeles really worked because of the, the people that he studied under, correct me if I'm wrong here. He's from the, the Andy Reed tree. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I, 
I, so I think he, he understood that certain things worked, but I, I sort of question whether or not he understands why they work. And now that he's, his scheme has been challenged, I, I'm perhaps skeptical if, if just uncertain whether or not he can figure things out now that he's on his own. Um, because what we saw last season was a bit of a train wreck. So I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not going to end up with cooks on my roster because I just, I think with so many mouths to feed there, uh, the emergence of, of both Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, I too, I like, I just don't know if he's going to get more than 50 targets or something on the year. And even then, if they're going to be any good, uh, we'll just be hail Marys when they're losing. So I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm off cooks for, for now. I think as, as we learn more, uh, as we see them practice and that kind of stuff go, uh, as we see more of that, then maybe I'll change my opinion. But right now I'm, I'm pretty wary on Cooks. I like that you bring up who he was going around um, and, and you bring up good, good dissenting points um, for like, you know, I, I like to look at MFL 10 uh, or best ball 10s ADP right now, because mock draft stuff is just stupid. Uh, MFL 10 folks, it doesn't mean that you're sharp, but it's people that are paying money to do drafts in March. Uh, so there are a lot of guys going before Brandon cooks that I know I'm just going to have cooks above. So it's looking at least early on, like he's going to end up on my team. Uh, you know, CD lamb, Mike Williams, Jerry, Judy, Jamison Crowder, Darius Slayton. Uh, okay. So I, I must be much higher than the public on cooks yeah. and it is a, and it is a faith move. Nick, if, if things stay the same, you're going to be absolutely right. Um, McVeigh looked a little lost uh, with a pretty talented roster. He wasn't able to make the team look very good in season. Uh, I am the speculative buyer here saying things are going to change. And that's, that, you know, that doesn't always work out. No, that's a good point. The MFL 10 aspect, I'm just looking to fancy football calculator. So this sure, is yeah. oh, we're close. Of, you know, aggregate. Yeah. He's right around um, where you said, though, because like I mean, I didn't okay. mention the guys that I like around him. Like <laughs> oh, the very Anderson. with the guys he mentioned. Yeah, right. I wanted to prove All my right, point, yeah, not yeah. your point. But Emmanuel I would even, Sanders, Preston, I would I mean, even like, go. I would even go uh, Cooks over Fuller right now. Just I know Fuller has a much higher ceiling because we've seen just greatness out of Fuller. But I, I mean, do you really trust him to play ten games in twenty twenty? That's going to be tough, man. That's going to be studying every single practice report coming out of Houston right. <laughs> to figure out what he's doing. Um, uh, do we think that David Johnson is worth drafting in fantasy in 2020? <laughs> Talk yeah. to me. Tell me. Tell me why I should not be spending a way too early pick on him. Oh, you said early pick on David Johnson. I just I. I feel like he is the clear guy in my mind who I'm like, he's going to bounce back in 2020. But I feel like I've said this also ever since his one good year. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to convince myself otherwise that it's actually not going to happen and that David Johnson maybe just isn't as good as we think he is. You're betting on a huge change, uh, and that can be tough. I think if David Johnson remains on the Cardinals, that we saw what a relatively healthy yeah. David Johnson was worth to his coaching staff and that was almost nothing uh right now i'm showing him going at the end of the third round and that's where guys like this go before they either bounce back into the first round and win you your championship uh, or 
they start going in the seventh, eighth round as only the true believers will still draft them after another bad season. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's really just going to depend on who is around him that'll determine whether or not he even gets much of a crack at the the starting gig. Kenyon Drake looked awesome. Um, that being said, DJ was definitely hurt. You know, he had nagging back injuries, and it there's more to that than well. <laughs> Um, there's more than a BCI insofar as he was definitely hurt. He to the eye, he looked pretty bad at times. Um, yeah, this is a very similar answer to Fuller that we're going to need to yeah. to see practice reports. We're going to need to see uh, hear from from beat writers that we trust um, how he looks. And uh, yeah, I can tell you right now, I'm not taking him in the third round. Is that where he's going? Yeah, that's what Clark just said. That's, that's, he's number. He's, I mean, it's, the thirty fourth player off the board in NFL tens, and there's a lot of variance in there. They give you the standard deviation on sure. it, but it's usually a pretty good, pretty good space. Assuming Kenyon Drake is still there, that is now right. Drake's gone. Agent. Then yeah, yeah. Oh, well, right. So if if they sign him, you know, they, if they re-sign him, which I think they'd be foolish not to. Um, yeah. Yeah. On next week's yeah. pod, we should consider doing. Uh, Who's Damian Williams? Who's Arian Foster? The breakout running backs from 2019 that will murder your team or mm. win you a championship next year. I like it. Well, Tune there you in. go. Tune in next week for who will murder your team. <laughs> Brought to you by Ray Lewis. Uh, all right. Never forget. Never forget. Uh, make sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. On iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. We are there. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nicolas. Follow him at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week to talk about breakout 2019 running backs who are destined to murder your team. Until then, peace.